Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast Q&A edition. That means that today is Thursday when you are listening to this episode. This is going to be the shorter episode of the week, probably between 30 to 45 minutes, no promises. But Patrick, how are you this week? I'm positively fantastic. At this stage of people listening to this, I will have done my presentation on my project, which is the first semester, which is my final year project. And so hopefully that went well. I think it's worth like 10, maybe 20% on the grade, which is when we're recording this about six hours away. But look, it is what it is. And now it's not actually about six hours away. It's about 10 hours away. But um, we get on with life. Um, other than that, I was at a seminar over the weekend. Gary, you, you actually were you, you were supposed to be at that seminar. And... Yes, I was. I was actually, supposed to. Be I actually, I actually didn't see you there. <laughs> yeah, so I was supposed to be going to the seminar this this weekend with Roderick Chavez. But as some of you will know, I am a student, and I've got exam- bottler. I've got exams coming up, and uh, I decided that studying pharmacology was more of a priority than listening to some bodybuilder dude talking about pharmacology. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, it's not fair. But uh, antiviral drugs, way more interesting than anabolic drugs. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're dead wrong. Um, (laughs) But anyway, that was a good seminar. I enjoyed it. Um, I only went to the Saturday one and didn't go to the Sunday, which is now today, Sunday. Um, But yeah, would recommend. But anyway, let's start fucking chatting shit. Let's get into the question. And today's question is essentially, essentially an amalgamation of three different questions that we've got, um, but they effectively come into one question. And there is another question that's related to this, but we're not actually going to address today. It will be another podcast because there's some special considerations for that. Um, but today's question is, is are, uh, should I wear, and I'm effectively going to cover three different things, uh, should I wear knee sleeves right i'm going to presume that's for like lower body training you know squats etc right the other question then is should i wear elbow sleeves okay again i'm going to presume that's some sort of pressing training you know bench press maybe overhead press you're maybe a strong man or something power lifter whatever but anyway elbow sleeves and then third third and final one is should i wear like wrist wraps, you know, like, again, you might see like bench pressers, people doing the overhead press or whatever, wearing wrist wraps, you know? So effectively, we're going to answer those three questions. Now, with any of these discussions, you always have to go back and be like, okay, what is the population, or sorry, who is the population I'm dealing with? What is the goal? Where are we in your overall training experience? You know, if you're a beginner lifter, you've never fucking bench pressed without wearing elbow sleeves without wearing fucking wrist wraps, you know, I'd probably like to see you do a period of time, you know, natural, raw, whatever the fuck you want to call it, training. Um, but again, it, like this is hopefully what we're going to touch on. But I do want to always caveat these questions with, it does fucking depend. Like it really does depend on who we are talking about, when we're talking about it, where in the program, why in the program, like all that stuff, right? And I don't think for a second that we're going to cover every single last nuance of all of those in this 30 to 40 minute podcast. Um, But I do want you to be aware that these are the considerations you should be taking into account when you're thinking these things true, 
you know like if you are a, a lifter you've been training for 10 years and you're kind of like you know should i be wearing elbow sleeves is that going to be the make or break of, of my progress going forward you know maybe more likely not but it may be something that helps you achieve your overall goals like again we'll, we'll say they give you a five maybe ten percent even at the extremes increase in your overall pressing ability through both neural stuff in terms of you feel a little bit safer and then also you know maybe support in the right areas for you as an individual and maybe you get a whole fucking 10 percent. you know that could make make or break you achieving your goal however that's not likely for the majority of people you know so again this is very context specific and obviously goal specific and we're not going to cover all the contexts and we're not going to cover all the goals so take everything we say today with that in mind that even if we don't even if we say yes or no yay or nay to a certain whatever modality whatever tool that doesn't mean that it's a yay or nay for you in your situation so just caveat the entire discussion with that ramble anyway Gary, let's get into it i suppose let's let's start with Let's start with the arms. There's two things here going on with the arms, right? So these elbows, the elbow sleeves, and wrist wraps, right? First of all, I suppose we should ask, like, why would someone wear either of those things? What's the contributing? Why, like, what's the purpose? Yeah, so I'll start with the wrist wraps because they're probably more commonly used, I think. That could just be where I train, but most of the time I'll see people using them and personally, I've used wrist wraps many a time, but I've never used elbow sleeves. So that's my experience. So, so I also just like to say onto this, like, and they don't make elbow sleeves small enough to fit you. So that makes sense. This is very true. It's deep, but uh, yeah. So wrist wraps, <laughs> wrist wraps. Like typically, someone is going to use wrist wraps if one they've experienced some sort of wrist pain, which isn't necessarily an indicator that you need them, but it tends to be one of the ways that people end up using them. Um, or two, they're trying to reduce the amount that their wrist extends during a particular exercise. That's, that's generally the main reason and the main kind of valid rationale that one would have for using, using wrist wraps. So essentially what we're talking about is a wrap that goes around the wrist joint. Okay, so it's generally going to be a little bit above the joint, meaning that it's kind of on the, the palm or surface of your hand, um, and it's also on your forearm. So that then means that it's going to stop the movement of your actual wrist joint. So that, that, that wrist joint, especially as you move into extension, is going to be limited. Okay, so it's going to be more difficult to move into that extension range of motion. Now, why exactly would you want that? You'd want that in some sort of exercise where there is load being trying to push you into wrist extension. So that includes exercises such as the bench press and any other sort of pressing variation an overhead press um, or a low bar squat is another very common example of where um, someone wants to limit the amount of their wrist extends because essentially what can happen is that for this could just be like a grip issue um, in that you might be holding the bar in the wrong place. But if you hold the bar and it's like resting along kind of the the line there that runs across your hand, that little palm or crease. If you've got, if you've got a, a bar sitting there, it's gonna push you back into extension and that can become a little bit uncomfortable. It's also not a very stable base if the weight starts to push back through your hand, pushing you into extension, instead of pushing straight down through your forearm. So you want that weight to be essentially down, going down through that long bone because that's gonna be easier, make it easier to transmit force than resting kind of on the spring 
um, that is your hand or your wrist joint when it's in extension. Okay, so that's our kind of starting point. So you could use it in any of those exercises in a case where one, you were trying to improve performance by minim minimizing energy leak, so to speak, by moving back into extension. Two, um, if you've experienced pain um, in your wrist or elbow, generally the inside of the elbow, from your wrist always being back in extension. Or three, if you notice an asymmetry in, like for example, one wrist being really extended and one wrist not being extended, um, and that then kind of adjusting your technique during the lift. That's something I find myself is that my left wrist always goes back into extension, um, whereas my right wrist always feels that bit more solid, and that's my stronger side. So you know, th th there might be something something to that. And um, that doesn't mean that that's that that you need to use wrist wraps in that case. But they're the sort of valid scenarios that would pop up here. Um, so yeah, they're, they're sort of the, the, the reason someone would want to use wrist wraps. Um, so any, any input there in terms of, in any of those situations, anything I've missed before we go any further? Just, just on that, so effectively, if we were to summarize, we're basically using a wrist wrap to create, we'll call it, extra stability at that joint, you know? And that could mean it's stopping it from extending, but it could also mean that it's strengthening the position that you actually want. Not necessarily that it's stopping that extension, but it just feels sturdier because you've effectively thickened that joint, you know? Like it's, it's almost as if you got surgery and just had a thicker joint to press through as a result. Now, how much that contributes, again, very variable but effectively those are the kind of two things that are going on you're creating extra stability and you're creating an inability to get out of that position you know even though obviously those two things are effectively the, the same thing but yeah that's all i have just to summarize that so in summary yes basically wrist wraps are going to serve the function of basically adding extra wrist flexors to your arm. It's as if you got extra muscles that are stopping you from moving into wrist extension. Very simple, okay? So as we said, it's gonna allow you to um, potentially produce more force because you're not leaking as much energy as you move into wrist extension, but it's also going to potentially um, protect some of those structures if they have been injured or you're experiencing pain or whatever. Because you know that's not uncommon, particularly in the case of like the low bar squat. If you're holding 200 kilos in your back and you're doing lots and lots of reps and that's always pushing you back into wrist extension, then you can see how like fatigue would accumulate and that can then manifest as, you know, the experience of pain. So if you can then adjust the position to a more tolerable, more, more tolerable one, um, then that can obviously be a, a valid option. So there are the cases where it might be useful. So increased ability to produce force and um, because you're not leaking force. So if you think of what that actually means, that means that if someone's competing in powerlifting, for example, and they find that the wrist is constantly jacking back into extension as they press and they feel that the wrist might be a limiting factor, then if they can then remove that limiting factor and produce more force, not leak that energy, you might get a higher one rep max. From a hypertrophy perspective, if you're trying to do a lot of training volume and you find that maybe after your sixth set of presses, because you do a couple of different presses, you find that your wrist starts to become the limiting factor, then cutting out that limiting factor again is going to be beneficial in terms of accumulating more quality training volume, moving towards your goal of hypertrophy. And in the case of pain, injury, rehab, um, whatever you want to call it, it can be the, the difference between you, you know, getting in the rest of your training volume, because if you, you don't want your, your wrist to be the limiting factor in your squat performance, obviously you want the lower body to be the limiting factor. Um, 
So there's that. But there's also the case that you don't want to keep making the risk worse by constantly putting load on it when it's already, you know, you're already in a lot of pain. So you want to be able to find a more, a more a position that you're less sensitized to and wrist wraps are a, a valid way of getting there. So they're all the, pretty much all, all the uses that, that I would see for them anyway. Fantastic, right? So that's that. There, there's the, the purpose of wrist wraps, you know? So you can already start putting that into a perspective of like, okay, should maybe I use this or maybe, maybe I shouldn't use this. None of those things apply to me. But we'll actually come to a more practical. We'll do a few little like kind of case scenario type deal at the end of all of these when we go through them. So you can kind of go, okay, there's kind of almost a checklist type thing. Oh, I fit in that category. Great. Like obviously Gary touched on a few of them there, but we'll come back to it. Now I actually said initially, let's do the wrist wraps and elbows sleeves together. But I actually think it makes sense to just be like elbow sleeves and knee sleeves together yeah. because they effectively, the elbow is the knee of the upper body. You know, so they, they, they're both performing the same roles. So what, what is the purpose of elbow sleeves and knee sleeves. So obviously, you see knee sleeves a little bit more commonly than you see elbow sleeves. Um, and obviously, there's a few reasons for that, potentially potentially, potentially just because, you know, I don't think the IPF allows elbow sleeves. Well, I could be wrong on that. I haven't, mm-hmm. haven't coached an IPF lifter in fucking years. Um, but it could be something as simple as that. But it, it does seem to be that... Uh, knee sleeves are more common so w- what is the role of the knee sleeve because obviously it's different in like knee wraps which unless you're a powerlifter you're not likely to be exposed to and effectively they're doing something similar to the wrist wrap in terms of their they're effectively stopping knee flexion and giving you a little bit of bounce out of the hole but that's also kind of what knee sleeves do to an extent so obviously they are related right so what are elbow sleeves knee sleeves doing right because obviously there's a few different kinds different millimeter thickness different fucking length different whatever but effectively it's a some sort of neoprene potentially could be some other stuff uh neoprene like material that you put over your wrist joint or sorry not your wrist joint your elbow joint or over your your knee joint and like why are we doing that what what's the what's the rationale what's the purpose yeah, so like the first one is probably the most obvious and easy to understand from like a, a basic physics perspective, okay? And that's, and that's that it helps your performance. And like people don't like to admit this, you know, everyone likes to say, oh, you know, knee sleeves uh, don't help at all. Whereas like if you break it down, it's like, wait, if you, wear, you, if you have a really tight sleeve, especially like the types of sleeves that people use in competition, like the vast majority of powerlifters will have a set of sleeves they use in training and then a really tight pair they use in competition. Um, even, even just different brands, just forget about the different like ones they do, like different brands, like those SBD ones, like they put about 20 kilos on my squat. Like, <laughs> just getting like a, a medium one, I don't have fucking particularly thick joints. They proper put on about 20 kilos on my squat. It just feels like it springs out of the bottom. Whereas like the ones that I have that I occasionally wear are those reband ones um, and they give me maybe five kilos, you know? So obviously between different brands and then obviously between different types. You see also, like you're saying there, powerlifters and stuff will have like a, a competition one in which they're like, yeah, like this, I need about two people to fucking help me get this bad boy on, you know? And like I'm taking it off as soon as because circulation to my lower legs is, you know, stopped. And it's effectively acting as... A, a knee wrap then to an extent now obviously not to the same extent but 
to an extent. But anyway, I just wanted to interject with that. Yeah, I know. And it's one of the, it's one of the checks that the, the IPF, IPF have actually kind of put in place is that the, it's a rule now that you're not allowed to have a set of knee sleeves that you can't get on yourself because obviously everyone was just buying like, you know, 100 kilo males, buying like extra small and all the boys trying to rip them on. And you can see how that would have an effect. Like if you've got a semi-rigid elastic structure wrapped around your knee that's holding you an extension, then that is essentially serving the same function as a quad because you're basically putting like the putting it at, at the or towards the origin and the, the insertion of your quadricep muscle across the, the same joint and applying a force in the same direction so you can see how that would replicate a knee extensor uh, muscle so it's basically helping you to produce more knee extension torque particularly at the bottom when you start to store up that energy in the knee sleeve as you descend towards the bottom so there's definitely that to it and i think People are very quick. Like, I, I don't get why people don't just admit that, like, oh, yeah, it does actually help a bit, and that's why I do it, because it's within the rules, and you're just allowed to do it. You know? And that's, that's cool. You know, that's, literally that's, that's totally fine. It's, yeah. Like, I, I always look at this, like, with it as well. That's like a boxer saying, that, oh, yeah, man, I don't rock my fucking hands. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of loser would do that? That doesn't give me any performance increase. Okay, let's see you punch stuff without your hands wrapped. Your fucking knuckles, hand bones, etc., are going to be sore, you know. So it's like obviously it gives you performance increase. So just admit that it's fine. Nobody cares. That's your sport. It's part and parcel of the sport. It's allowed. It's legal. Great. Awesome. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, there's there's that element to it. It's the straight up, basically you can call it elasticity. You know, like it might be totally physically correct but for the purpose of this conversation think of it as you come down in the squat that knee sleeve is storing up elastic energy that you can then release as you begin to come out of the bottom of the squat okay that's particularly helpful in an exercise like the squat because basically that is the hardest part of the movement is that bottom part so getting a bit of help there might just get you through that point where you're struggling and allow you to finish the rep because you could still have the strength for the rest of the rep anyway. Um, so there's that element to it, but there's also a second one that people don't often talk about. And that that's that it actually replicates thigh calf contact. Okay. Particularly important for my small calf brothers, you know, not that I know anyone with small calves, but you know, it, it actually does replicate that. And, and that's one of the funny things about, um, the difference in the squat experience between someone who's really short and squats like a, a Chinese weightlifter and someone who squats with like a real kind of leaned over, like long legged squat, one might call it, you know, if you look at the difference in those two squats from, for like the last like 10 to 20 degrees of, of me, of, of the movement, um, in, in the, in the, the first example, that person's basically just sitting on the calves. You know, it's like, yeah, my quads don't have to do as much work anymore. The, the actual compressive forces within the joint are reduced. Um, it's changing the way forces are being distributed within the joint. And that's a very real physical effect that is happening because you've got the contact between the posterior thigh, so your hamstrings and the adipose tissue that's there and your calves and the adipose tissue that's there. So you can see how like if you put those two things together, then it's going to be very easy to stay there and it's going to reduce the amount of muscular work that's required. So that's what's happening in a person who has a lot of tissue around those areas. And if you don't have a lot of tissue around these areas, or if you do, and you happen to wear a knee sleeve, then essentially what that does is because you've got that, basically that, that buildup of tension in the sleeve as you come towards the bottom, what ends up happening is you basically hit that end point sooner. Because one, the back of the sleeve is essentially impinged in between um, your posterior thigh and your posterior calf. 
and you've got the fact that you've got that additional tension developing. So it's, it essentially like replicates that endpoint at which you change direction. So one, you've got the elastic energy that's building up, and two, you've got this sort of pseudo endpoint of the rep. And you'll find that yourself that if you take off your knee sleeves, it actually feels like you squat deeper. And I always find that because you've got more knee flexion to go through because you no longer have that knee sleeve, like it's stopping you from getting through that end of the range of motion. So there's those two elements to the performance aspect. And that is the exact same reason why, you know, you could lose weight as in like body fat yeah. and then find, you know, your squat feels a little bit deeper. You're like, Oh man, I'm actually getting deeper with these squats. Or you could find you're, you're essentially a little bit weaker because effectively the way I think of it, like both of these things are kind of like effectively it's a, it's a single ply suit, like, you know, like a weightlifting suit for your knee or your, your elbow, because essentially it's the same thing. And effectively what you're doing is, yes, you've got all that elastic energy being stored up and then potentiating the movement. Um, but also it's effectively like trying to close a, a book on some sort of like ball, if you will. You know, I don't have anything here that I could use. Um, actually, you know, like if you're trying to close in your squat, there's your knee joint, I suppose actually there's your knee joint that makes sense like you've got something in between it here so there you're done the movement a lot sooner i don't mean the movement obviously there's your knees go forward etc whatever uh, but it doesn't need to close but if i get rid of that all of a sudden that's able to close a lot or has to close a lot more to effectively do the same movement you know so again like that applies not only to what we're saying here with the the, the knee sleeve stuff but it also applies to effectively the same as like you develop a big fucking power gut you know you're squatting you're like a super heavyweight you know your big power gut in between your legs similar function you know you have to do effectively less work because your power gut is now against your thighs uh when you're squatting and and also if you lose weight as well that's why when they say oh your levers have changed like that's effectively what they're they're talking about there or one of the components of what they're talking about there but yeah i just wanted to add that in yeah, no, like, and I mean, that that's important because sometimes people get like super emotionally attached, like to the actual numbers on the bar. And that's obviously important if that's your sport. If you're a powerlifter, that's pretty important. But for, for most people, you know, if you do happen to lose a good bit of weight and it changes the, the, the quality of your squat and the quantity of your squat in that one, it feels different. Like you might be actually in range of motion and then you're actually seeing a difference on the bar. Like, just, just, just respect that, you know, respect that. All right, this is actually sort of a different exercise now, because if you're working through a larger range of motion and the more of the force is now being taken by your muscles instead of the compression of adipose tissue, then that's fundamentally a little bit of a different qualitative and quantitative element to the exercise. Um, but yeah, to get back to the actual point. So we talked, we talked about the performance stuff. You can see how an e-sleeve might help you from a performance perspective. Um, and one question that someone might ask is like, if I'm not a powerlifter, can I still avail of that? And my answer would be yes, you know, because like ultimately if, if you're not a powerlifter, what you were lifting actually like matters less pretty much, you know, because it's, it's actually not about, it's not about the weight on the bar. It's, a, it's about the weight on the bar relative to, to, to your current level of strength and your current level of development, because you want to be able to progress. And whether you're progressing with five kilos more or five kilos less, it doesn't actually matter because it matters that you're actually moving forward. And that's the main thing that's required for progression. You know, if we're talking about hypertrophy, for example. So if you, if you find that, you know, wearing knee sleeves is something that's just comfortable for you and maybe you, the bottom of the lift feels a bit better, but you're, and even if the, you know, you're lifting five kilos more, that feels good, but 
Like there's no reason not to use them either. Well, there are reasons and we'll get to them. Um, but yeah, so if you're, if you want to avail of the performance benefit of your powerlifter, you definitely should. If you're a general trainee, I have no problem with you doing it, you know, and, and there could be non-specific benefits as well. And that's, that's pretty much what I want to get into now is there's probably more to it than just what we can ex explain using the, like the, the physical sort of, um, explanations that we gave there. And one of those might be just ritual. You know, that's a big thing for people. I think a lot of people do become quite dependent on equipment that can be good and bad. It can be good if you always have your equipment because you know, you're like, all right, I'm ready. I've, I've completed my pre-squat checklist and now I'm ready to, get to perform. However, if you're constantly moving around and maybe you don't always have your equipment and stuff like that, then you don't want to be totally dependent on that. And, and that would be my general philosophy is that you want your training to, you want to, to in your, in your training, especially as a non-athlete, you want to be as dependent on as little as possible so that if you don't have your knee sleeves on a given day, you can still get a quality squat workout in, you know? And I think there's probably a bigger discrepancy in a lot of people's squat between the knee sleeve and their sleeveless naked performance um, than there actually should be because of that, because of that effect, because of them saying, you know, when they arrive at the gym and they don't have their sleeves, they're like, Oh, it's going to be a shit workout. Oh no, this feels way different. And they totally freak themselves out. So, you don't want to get totally dependent on that, but there are probably effects related to um, the, the ritual of, of the sleeves and the expectation of improved performance, the feeling of the sleeve compressing the knee, the warmth that's associated with that, all of those different, like what, what one might call non-specific effects and some kind of placebo effects kind of built in there um, to some degree. But, but yeah, they're, they're the sort of, non-specific effects and that also relates then to to pain and injury for sure um because like you see in some studies that you know when, when people are wearing like really night really light knee sleeves in exercises that don't necessarily involve deep knee flexion like thing things just like walking like in people who have knee osteoarthritis you sometimes see an improvement in symptoms when people are wearing just very light kind of compre compressive compressive garments so there's probably an element of of expectation there there might be an element of sensory input or, or awareness of the area or warmth of the area different things that are modifying the pain experience because as, we, as we've discussed in the past pain can be influenced from many many different directions and they're not always just the mechanical explanations um so there's probably a bit of that, that going on when people do have knee pain or some sort of injury you know they they might it might be the case that yeah their, the knee flexion um, challenge in deep knee flexion is reduced by wearing a knee sleeve. That might um, modify the pain experience because of the way the force is reduced. But it also just might be the case that um, that comfort, that expectation, that feeling of, oh, look, something is helping out my knee, that that has non-specific specific effects. So there's definitely, I would say, some, some of that stuff going on there as well in the case of, of pain and injury. Now, where that becomes harmful is when you become dependent on that okay so in the in the case where someone has chronic knee pain so knee pain they've had in the long term i want to get them out of the sleeves and exposing themselves to lifts exercises movements that do not involve knee sleeves i do not want them to feel like i can't train without these sleeves and i'm dependent on these sleeves because that's no different in my eyes to the things we've talked about in relation to manual therapy, for example, 
I don't want someone to feel like they need to get a massage every week to, to function. That's not useful from my perspective. I want someone to have as much self-efficacy as possible and to feel like my body is good enough to be able to train. I can trust my knee to be able to train um, and that I don't necessarily need these knee sleeves. So in the case that someone gets to that point where you know they're happy to, to expose their knee to load without the knee sleeve, um, but they just feel that their knees feel a bit better when they have the knee sleeves on, Am I that worried about, about that being harmful? Not so much. You know, you could make the case that, oh, you know, you don't want someone to, to be availing of those non-specific effects because X, Y, and Z. But to be honest, if someone is, is, is not, is, if it's not fearful, it's, if, they're not, if, they're, if they're not fearful of loading um, their knee on its own, if they're not, if they're not, not engaging in tasks um, because of the knee, and then basically that they're, they're, they're engaging as they normally would with or without the sleeves. If they're at that point, I'm kind of happy enough for them to still use the sleeves if, if they prefer it. So, so yeah. yeah be- and on that as well, like it, it can be, I'm going to call it graded, but that doesn't really make sense. But in terms of you can use the knee sleeves for squats, if you're still a little bit apprehensive, you're like, okay, I need them for squats, but still build up that kind of resilience adaptability in other exercises, you know, like, or your leg press, you're like, okay, I don't have my knee sleeves on. I was a little bit, you know, scared of this, but because my, my back feels real rigid against this, I have more stability, et cetera. You can build up that resilience and then move forward. And like you were saying, you know, like, not use the, the knee sleeves for your squatting and whatever and build the resilience adaptability etc there um because you've built it up in other areas and you feel stronger even mentally placebo all that kind of stuff you're like oh i've, I've done this before with other exercises i can do it with this yeah because like what, what you don't want to stand up being that person who like you can squat but you're your knee sleeves are on from the moment you lift up the bar you know that you can't you can't squat anything without the knee sleeves and you're even, even when you don't have them, then you're even fear, fearful getting out of the chair, you know? And I've definitely seen that with like some powerlifters in particular where like they have this idea that, oh, my knees are, my knees are awful. Like I can't function at all because I'm a powerlifter and I lift heavy weights. They can still squat like 180 kilos, but if they're to get out of a chair, they're like, oh, my knees, you know? Like I think there's, there's some psychological things that you might want to address in those cases um, as it relates to, you know, your your trust of your body your confidence your self-efficacy you don't want to get into that sort of you know fear avoidance behavior that we've discussed in the past so just on that it's actually it's it's kind of it's kind of a reverse of some processes we actually aim for but effectively like what we're talking about you know you've got this increased feeling of stability potentially even increased stability at the joint right we'll say it goes up to 120 percent of your normal stability at that joint or feeling of stability at that joint because of like you know, the extra layer of, you know, tissue you've effectively accrued <laughs> by wearing this thing at the, at the back of the knee, you know? And so you can feel like you're at 120%. You know, that does to an extent mean that when you get rid of that, you now have lost 20%. So even though you're at a hundred percent, you kind of feel like you've lost 20%. So you kind of feel like you're at 80%, you know? So you, I've seen it a lot with like powerlifters where it, it, like you're saying there, where they're like, they almost rely on the sleeve. So their feeling of 100% is actually a, an inflated 100%. So even though when it goes back to like normal, and they're like, oh, my knees are actually in bits, it's because they, well, for one of the reasons, is because they have effectively lived in a hyper-protective environment for a while. 
and they, they feel more stability with the knee sleeves on, etc. And as a result, they're kind of like, they take them off. They're like, oh, no, this is, this is awful. I don't want to have this at all. Yeah, so that's the non-specific effects. So like that, that's, that is it. That's another example. Trying to think back to, the, was there anything else that I, that I didn't cover that I wanted to cover? As it relates to knee sleeves, like I think that covers most things. I think you can see that. Yeah, I just actually want to mention one more thing on that as well. Like as someone who has a, we'll call it a non gym related issue like i have osgood slatter disease and um, i like to call it disease even though it used to be called osgood slatter fucking syndrome when i was diagnosed um but yeah it looks it sounds funny when i have, say i have a disease um but basically the fucking bony tuberosity at my fucking patella tendon there is increased a little bit um because of whatever because i'm fucking six foot million inches tall um but i used to get knee pain as a result um throughout my youth running doing whatever i used to get knee pain even when i rested it like they were like oh yeah rest do nothing oh yeah fucking do your band clamshell fucking whatever bullshit glute exercises i was given and did all that stuff nothing did it because again it's basically my bone is grown you know there's not much you can do for it uh but when I started squatting, like I found progression was hard because my knee was sore and then wearing a knee sleeve allowed me to get confidence in that movement itself. And now I'm at the stage where like, I don't wear knee sleeves. Like the only time I ever wear knee sleeves is when it's maybe December, like coming up and it's cold. Like I train in the, in the morning, like I have a, a set of like large rebound ones, which effectively, like I said, they give me about five kilos extra uh, because again, like you're basically stuffing stuff behind your, your kneecap. But they're kind of loose on me, so they don't really do a huge amount apart from providing warmth for me. And like, it's a nice little like psychological boost when I feel like, oh, my knees are nice and warm. They don't feel like they're be going to be an issue today in this workout. It's not something I have to to think about. Like, it's just already ticked the box. Like, yeah, I still do my normal kind of warm up. I still do my normal fucking squat ritual, whatever stuff. Um, but it's something that I don't have to think about warming up extra or it's not something that i have to think about throughout the workout whereas before because of my disease and um, like it it was something that would you know i'd be a bit colder and like i'd be kind of creaking a little bit when i'm doing my squats and it kind of takes a little bit you know more for those knees to feel like they're in the the right position to feel like they're stable that kind of stuff you know and um, whereas like i'm at the stage as i said where i, I don't generally need them so like, I know some people listening to this will be kind of be like, oh, well, yeah, that's all fine and well for you to say if you don't have previous knee issues or whatever, but I'm coming to you with previous knee issues and life does get better. And yeah, knee sleeves can be part of that. <laughs> and they can also not be a part of that after that. But yeah, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, so like anything, you know, you can, you can avail of the benefits provided it's not becoming a sort of a, a toxic relationship between you and the modality you know if you if you cannot perform without them i generally consider that to be a a negative thing um but if if you know they're just a bit of icing on the cake for you and it's it's something you can afford and the performance benefits are something that you want to avail of by all means go ahead and use knee sleeves now the elbow sleeves very very similar right just just take it in your head that basically everything we said applies but one of the key differences between 
something like a squat and a bench press is that you don't really end up in the same level of flexion at that joint. So that most of the time, people won't end up in the same level of, of elbow flexion um, as they will knee flexion um, at the bottom of their bench press. Okay, unless you do like a super like close grip bench press where you're coming down like, like a California press kind of a thing. It's, it's, it's unlikely that you're going to be in that much elbow, elbow flexion. So as a result, um, the, the, the amount that they're going to give you during the exercise is probably going to be a bit less. Um, in my own experience, like I've not really, like I've had, way, I, I would say I've had way more knee pain than elbow pain. However, I know some people have a lot of trouble with their elbows um, when it comes to bench pressing and stuff like that. That's never been me. It's like my knees would probably be more of a problem, but I know the elbows are a problem for some people. So in that case, you know, again, it sort of applies in a similar similar sense to the, the, the knee sleeve discussion. If those elbow sleeves help you train, um, for example, if it's the case that you have a triceps tendinopathy or something like that, you're going through a period of injury and you want to get in your standard chest training volume, but what ends up happening when you go to do any sort of pressing exercises that your elbow becomes the limiting factor every time. If the elbow sleeve helps you with that, then that's a potential valid use. Um, they are the elbow sleeves. Um, it's obviously like in this case, it's a bit different because from a performance perspective, I don't think elbow sleeves are legal in powerlifting competition. So for powerlifters, it would be mostly a no for me, unless it's the case that they allow you to get in extra training volume that you're not using for your specific competition lift. So for example, if you normally find that your elbows are super fatigued um, and one of the one of the things that comes up with that is a bit of pain in your elbows after you do your main bench pressing work, but you want to do extra dumbbell bench press volume. And the only way you can do that is if you kind of take a bit of load off those elbows, elbow sleeves in that case, I think that's a perfectly valid approach. Um, so that'd be, that'd be a good case of using them. Um, as I said, you know, if it, if it, if it helps with pain, um, if it helps with performance in a, in an exercise, that's not, that's not your, your main performance lift. There are good uses. Um, and, and yeah, they, they, they'd be the main ones for me. Like I, I've never recommended anyone to use knee, to use elbow sleeves, but again, that's biased by the case that by the, the context here, because I, I haven't had that many people complain of elbow pain to me. However, I know it's more of a problem in like elite power of thing circles um, for reasons that are fairly understandable. So well, yeah. what do you think? Your I want this as well. I actually think like overhead athletes, benefit from elbow sleeves way more like that that overhead press position if you're watching the video like you do get into that deep flexed elbow position you know so like that's the the overhead press is effectively the squat equivalent not the not the the leg press is more like the bench press that makes sense Um, (laughs) um so in the like overhead athletes i think it actually gives a huge huge benefit you know and I'm pretty sure it's legal in most uh, strongman competitions. So if you are a strongman, like obviously overhead press is your bread and butter. Like I would be using that to the fucking extent that your federation competitions allow, you know? And like you were saying, like if it is extra training volume, if you're a powerlifter or whatever that you're looking for and to not have your elbows be the issue and you're like, okay, well, I know my shoulders, uh, are ten, tend to be a weaker muscle group or need a little bit more love or attention or whatever. And you're like, Oh, my elbows just can't handle it. Like for, for those individuals, if you're trying to accumulate more volume for your shoulders and not have your elbows be limited. Okay. Yeah. Elbow sleeves make 
a lot of sense, you know, especially if you're able to overload that overhead position and effectively not be limited by that bottom position, which is obviously always going to be the, the hardest position in, in that lift, you know. Um, and if you're actually looking for the actual overhead strength position where it's like overhead, the stability in the shoulders, whatever, I think it's a great idea, uh, elbow sleeves. You know, again, like how does this apply? This is both from a knee perspective and an elbow perspective. So effectively, we'll say your, your quad training, your chest training and your shoulder training. Like how does using elbow sleeves or knee sleeves apply in terms, or rather how does it affect like hypertrophic outcomes, like muscle building outcomes? Like there's an argument both ways in terms of you could argue, say you're doing less work because you know, you've got something stuffed into that joint. You know, like we were saying, like with the, the squat, like if you're going, okay, it's taking 5% off the, the, the muscle. Cause you've basically fucking given yourself an extra quad, you know, uh, we'll say it's 5%, just fucking picking numbers out of my ass here. You know, that, you might think initially go okay that's the detractor from hypertrophy or like muscle building but then it's also allowing you to lift more weight so is that then applying more tension to that muscle and again i I actually don't think there would be a noticeable difference in terms of the the overall outcome between someone who wore elbow sleeves knee sleeves or whatever and someone who who effectively didn't you know uh so I wouldn't be too worried about that unless like you do feel like it just gives you such a rebounding performance increase that you're not even feeling the target muscles anymore unless you load on piles and piles more weight, you know, like that's probably great. That's probably exactly, you're probably the ideal candidate to be, you know, a, a power lifter who uses these. But if your goal is, you know, to tax the muscles and you're all of a sudden feeling like, okay, the muscles aren't working anymore because I've worn this knee sleeve and I have to effectively load on 40 more, 50, 60 more kilos onto the bar to get the same training load. And now your lower back is fucking screaming at you or whatever. It's like, okay, now there's a trade-off here that we have to you know, deal with. But again, it's, that's going to be very, like I said at the very start of this, like that's going to be a very specific situation that you're going to have to address yourself. You know? Um, but yeah, back to the elbow sleeves. I think the overhead athletes, there's someone that who could definitely benefit from elbow sleeves. And again, if you're trying to get more shoulder training, shoulder volume in, perhaps it's a, it's a go for you. And, um, but yeah, I think that's also one, like you were saying, a reason why people don't use elbow sleeves as much for like bench press training. You don't see it as much in the gym or whatever, unless you're in a powerlifting gym, because effectively in the bench press, it's not providing a huge amount outside of maybe the feeling of a little bit extra stability at the, the elbow or, you know, potentially if you have fucking, I don't know, huge biceps or something, a, a little bit of uh, extra stuffing between the joint. But even then you're not getting into this hugely flexed position. So like how much is that contributing? Probably not a lot, but I do think overhead athletes or individuals who are trying to bring up their overhead press a great modality to bring in yeah like even if you're doing like a like i know some people do you know the strength lifting meets where they basically do overhead press instead of they basically do overhead press instead of bench press i think it's called the strength lifting is the power thing some people do that you know so if, if you're that person or you're a power or you're a strong man you do like circus dumbbell presses somewhere just 
would really come in handy because if you can get it off that initial bit, like you're you're you're, you're going pretty well. So so yeah, strongman definitely a, a valid valid case here. I wanted to get back to something there that you mentioned. Um, oh yes, yeah, so when we're talking about any of these things. It's, it's all cute and cozy to say, right, we're talking about knee sleeves, therefore we're focusing on the knee joint. This is what happens at the knee joint. But as you alluded to there when you were talking about, like, for example, the, lower, the response of your lower back to the extra load, none of these things exist, exist in a vacuum. And you have to just stay awake and recognize how does this actually affect me as an individual? One example would be, like, well, like, firstly, recognize that you're, you're talking about the interaction between this specific implement and that joint, but also every other joint in your body the load that's on you, and then your psychology. Like, like for, I'll give you an example to, to sort of explain this. A squat, for example, if you're using like a knee sleeve, if you're using a knee sleeve and that replicates you having stronger quads, let's say, let's just stay, stick with that for the moment because the bottom, that deep knee flexion position is a little bit easier. That might change where your limiting factor is at the end of that set because you now have simulated having stronger quads in that bottom position, okay? So it could now be the case that you actually stay a little bit more upright for more of your reps because your hips don't shoot, shoot back as much in the bottom. So you might find that, oh, this is, a, this is weird. You know, when I use knee sleeves, I have less back pain at the end of the set. Oh, this is weird. Do knee sleeves cure back pain? Like, no, but it could be like, you know, someone, someone, might, someone could take what I said there and said, oh, triage said that knee sleeves are great for back pain. But no, it's, it's, about, it's about staying awake and recognizing how does this actually affect you? Because one could easily make the case that, you know, knee sleeves might actually help with your hip pain or your back pain because of the way it affects you in that particular exercise. It could also be that they improve your strength, not just because of the effect of the knee, but because you don't fall forward as much and you don't lose your balance during the squat. So recognize that these, all these different tools could affect you differently to how they might affect someone else, because it all depends on on, on, on how you actually execute the exercise. And that's a key, that's a key thing when you're talking about any, any exercise variable that we all, we, we fail exercises for different reasons. Some people fail a set of 12 on squats because of their cardiorespiratory fitness. Some people fail because they've had that nagging back pain for ages. And some people fail because their quads just weren't strong enough to finish the rep. And you have to stay awake to that stuff because that allows you to make better training decisions. Um, but yeah, I think we've I think we've exhausted the sleeves. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's that's good on everything, right? So now I actually just want to make it like real practical so that people can kind of go, okay, we've given them some sort of checklist almost, right? So we have a newbie lifter, first fucking two years in the gym, right? They're going from I don't care if they started out fat. I don't care if they started out jacked. I don't care if they started out skinnier than fucking shit. You know, they, they are what they are. They're one to two years lifting in the gym, you know? So they're basically a rank newbie beginner, right? Maybe they played sports. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they currently play sports. Maybe they don't, right? So it's just your most generic guy, girl, coming to the gym, doing the lifts. Do you think they should invest in wrist wraps knee sleeve elbow sleeve and if so which one or which ones rank them almost yeah so initially i probably wouldn't but there are definitely cases where i would so first of all another piece of equipment that we didn't really touch on and i don't want to bring it up now is like the actual straps that people use for grip that's another podcast another day gary another exactly another podcast another day same with a belt um both of those can be useful 
I just wanted to bring up the wrist straps, wrist straps for grip in particular, because that's something I just recommended to one of my female clients this week. Um, because that's actually something I do recommend more often. So that's one of the ones that I'd be like, oh, beginner or not beginner. If your grip is a serious limiting factor in all your lifts, these can be a really useful tool. But that's for another podcast. Uh, just, the, get, just get huge hands and you're fucking sorted for life. <laughs> the, the wrist, the actual wrist straps for supporting your wrist. Like I, I very, very rarely use them. You know, as I, as I kind of alluded to, I've used them for really heavy bench pressing. If I find really heavy, <laughs> as if I'm strong or something heavy, that's like, that's heavy. That for you, like 60 kilos, <laughs> relatively heavy bench pressing. Um, if I find my left wrist is like cocking back too much and that's limiting my performance, then I'll use them. I've gone through phases of using them. But like recently, like I'd say in probably the last year or more, like anytime I've done any pressing, I just, I just kind of go up my hands. I'm happy enough to just use, use my hands and my wrists and, and they do just fine. So I don't think there's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend the wrist wraps unless someone came to me with a reason that they needed to use them. For example, Gary, I've been having some medial elbow pain. So elbow pain on the inside of my elbow that's typically associated with the wrist flexor muscles and if i then see that during their exercises oh you're doing a low bar squat and your wrist is always cocked back into flexion and that that aggravates it oh and it's also aggravated by extension during pressing exercises then that that gives me a logical you know reason to say oh right this could be a helpful intervention in that case um if it's also the case that you know someone's doing a lot of bench pressing um and their their wrist cocks back when they get to very heavy weights i might say all right, let's let's use these wrist strap these wrist straps um, when you get above eighty five percent of your one rep max because that's when it becomes problematic, you know. Um, but what I wouldn't be saying to someone is like, oh yeah, go get these wrist straps, use them for every exercise. You know, it should only be when you're pushing yourself beyond what your body can can handle, kind of on its own. Because ultimately, your goal is still to continue building as much strength without the equipment. You know, you don't want your strength without the equipment to stay in one place and for you to just move forward with the equipment and then be dependent on it, as we discussed earlier. Um, the elbow sleeves, honestly, I, 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 w- I wouldn't be recommending them, them for a new lifter unless you're one of the special cases that we discussed. I just wouldn't really be, be recommending them for, for anyone. As I said, I don't recall ever recommending elbow sleeves for someone. So it would be foolish of me to say that they're a good investment. Um, as for knee sleeves, um, I've recommended them a couple of times, but generally they tend to be for, for people who are a bit more advanced, um, typically people who are, who are doing powerlifting or people who maybe have tried their friends or something at the gym and they're like, oh, it actually felt quite nice in, in my squat. I normally hesitated a lot in the bottom of the rep and this, this felt really good. By all means, give them a shot, you know? Um, so yeah, definitely not a necessity, like not at all. Like most of my training sessions I would do and like I, I've, I've used knee sleeves plenty in the past, but you know, yesterday I did a front squat session and I did them without the knee sleeves and like, it's just fine. You know, there's not much of a difference in my strength between the two. Um, and I also just, I don't feel dependent on them. Like that's a good place to be. So I would consider them totally optional. You can give them a shot, but like they are quite expensive too. Like to get a pair of SBD sle- knee sleeves, which most people tend to have, I think they're between 60 and 80 euro if you want to get two. So, I mean, like that's a, that's a decent investment for a lot of people. So um, I wouldn't say they're necessary. So for that beginner, one to two years, no, I'd be in the same boat. Like, yeah. Yeah, like if you have extra cash to splash and you're like, yeah, I want to get them for my future career potential, whatever. Like, cool. That's it's 
in this time frame, you're probably going to get more out of just not using them than using them. You know, like, yeah, if you plan on being a powerlifter or whatever, which we're going to touch on in a second, you know, maybe, yeah, invest in them early, get comfortable with them early. Cool. Right. So the next one then, and you touched on a few points with it, so it shouldn't take too long. You have your more advanced lifter, we'll say two plus years, all the way up to fucking 20 years of training uh, or 20 years or more, whatever the fuck, you know? So you're more advanced here. So you're intermediate to advanced lifter uh, for them. Are we saying yay or nay for any of those? You've obviously already touched on a few points. You don't need to go through everything, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, like, I mean, as, as a more advanced lifter, like if you're someone who's been lifting for a few years and you're like, this lifting thing, it's for me, man. You know, I'm, I like this stuff. Like, I think it's just useful to have a gym bag that has, you know, most things that you could need. You know, like, I, I just think they're, like, if, you collect, if you're collecting them over time, I don't view it as being as much of an expense because I'm like, all right, you're, you're in the game. You know, you're just buying the little things that could help you at some point in time. So, you know, if you, it's no harm to have some wrist wraps in your bag so that, you know, when it comes to doing the day where you're doing, right, I'm doing triples on overhead press, I'm doing triples on bench press, that you have that option. Um, but I would still, I would, I would buy them with the intent of using them as an option and, and not necessarily to, to always have them in there. But if they really help your performance, by all means use them, you know, as long as they're not masking something that you might potentially want to address. You know, for example, if you have wrist pain, like I touched on, and, you know, it's always at you, it's never gotten better, but you've always kept training through it. And this is just kind of like a bandage that you put over it, but you're never actually addressing maybe what, what might be aggravating it. Um, that I don't think that's a great call. But for the most part, I think wrist wraps are a fairly sound thing to, to have on board. Um, the knee sleeves, yeah, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a similar story. If you take your training seriously, you find that they help you um, and you have the extra cash and you're in the game for the long run, particularly if you're the type of person who's like, yep, I want to have every last kilo on that bar that I can get on that bar. My squat one or at max, my squat three or at max, my squat five or at max, they matter a lot to me. Having a pair of knee sleeves that you use are going to be, is probably going to be a good idea. I've had my SPD sleeves for years. They still look brand new, you know, because like, it's not like I'm using them every day. It's not like I'm using them all the time. And I mean, they're not the type of thing that get that dirty either. And, and, and they're quite good quality. So if you are going to buy a pair, just buy a good quality pair because they'll last you for years and years and years. Um, so there's that elbow sleeves. As I said, I don't actually have them. So that coming from me, it would be ridiculous for me to say you should get them. But if you are someone who's maybe toying with strong men or you've had long-term issues with your elbows and you know, there are problems sometimes no harm having them in the bag again, you know, as I said, because if they're, if they're the difference between, you know, you being able to get in that extra bit of dumbbell bench press volume that you might want to get in, um, then I think that's a, a fairly sound idea. But at the same time, there's also countless other things that you could do to just to achieve these sorts of, these sorts of effects. Like for example, if you're only happier, if you're only buying knee sleeves for that one off time that you want to use them to maybe reduce pain to some degree in the bottom of the lift, then you could potentially get that using some accommodating resistance, like a reverse band sort of setup, something like that, because that is also reducing the load that you're dealing with at the bottom of the rep. You know, similar story for something like elbow sleeves. You could just adjust the way that you approach the exercise by maybe going with a wider grip and you don't end up being as much elbow flexion at the bottom. So there's many options, but I think for advanced lifters, like 
I'm pretty happy for people to spend their money, <laughs> you know, because they're not that expensive if you're going to be in the game for a decade or two, you know. Okay. But not still not necessities, absolutely not. I, I don't have anything to add on that. I'm 100% in agreement. I'm like, yeah, if you have the money, you don't mind investing, or you feel that it would help your overall training approach, or, you know, it'd be nice to have in your bag the occasional use of wrist wraps, fucking knee sleeves, whatever. Cool. That's... We're all good to go on that. Um, so the next one then is, we'll, we'll put these into two just because it's an easier, or we'll put this into one rather. So there's two people, two individuals, well, one individual, someone that's interested in powerlifting, you know, whatever stage you're at, beginner powerlifting, moderate or intermediate powerlifting, advanced powerlifting, whatever, uh, and the same with strongman. So if you are effectively one of those two strength athletes, what are we feeling on all those things we've mentioned yeah so in, in both of the above cases well maybe not elbow sleeves for the power lifter other than elbow sleeves for the power lifter i'd probably get all pieces of equipment for both you know just because there's knee sleeves are probably going to improve your performance i think we can agree on that most strongman competitions tend to include some sort of squat movement um even if it's just for example the uh the atlas stone you know you, you could see that as being potentially helpful but at the same time i don't know if it would be legal in that competition because it could potentially either help or it could potentially hinder your ability to lift i'm up pretty the sure they all they all fucking wear everything whatever i'm pretty sure they do yeah <laughs> but uh, i'm just thinking um but but yeah so like if there's a squat and movement involved like i think knee sleeves are a pretty good investment i don't see why you wouldn't use them if you're a powerlifter um if you find you get nothing out of them at all and it's just a hindrance to have to put them on and everything, fine, don't bother. Um, <laughs> maybe if you have some, I don't know, like some vascular compromise, um, I don't know, history of DVT or something like that, maybe the compression mightn't be a great idea, but I like it's probably not that, that big of a deal, to be honest. Um, um, yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think of an excuse for why you wouldn't want to wear them. Really, like no, like I, I, I was, really. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, like if they give you even a fucking kilo on the bar and you are a strength athlete, wear the tightest one that your fucking competition will allow. Like, maximize it. Like, uh, I don't know, a baseball player isn't going to be fucking like, oh well, this uh, glove is five percent bigger and it allows me to catch more balls or whatever. But I'm going to challenge myself on, you know, wear the, the smaller one because, you know, I'm fucking solid and hard. I'm like, well, that's, that's just stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, um, like use, use your sport to its maximum. If it allows a certain thing, go for it. I, like, I don't see how it's more manly or whatever to go without it when you're effectively leaving kilos on the bar to your competition because they're taking advantage of it, you know? Um, so yeah, that's both applies to strongman and powerlifting. I don't think either of us are really qualified to talk about Olympic lifting. I actually, you know, have certs in Olympic lifting, but even then, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually coach an Olympic lifter. I think that's probably some sort of criminal activity because I wouldn't be that good. <laughs> um, but for for Olympic lifters, you know, they they obviously get into a deeper squat position. So arguably it could help more, but I actually think a knee sleeve or something may actually be a hindrance in most cases, especially a lot of the ones that like a, an SBD one, like it would almost hinder them getting into that deep flexion position because that's effectively what it's doing. And um, therefore their catch ability 
may not be uh, effective, you know? Like they may actually be worse at their sport trying to get better at their sport. However, obviously there are different sleeves available. Like I know the rebound ones, a lot of uh, Olympic lifters do wear those. And obviously the thinner ones that are more, you know, cotton or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure if the exact makeup of those, whatever, but they are also allowed be worn and they obviously do use those because they're a little bit thinner so they are providing you know all those placebo extra whatever effects we were talking about and um, but not so much to jamming something effectively behind your kneecap and giving you extra tissue there or you know effectively giving you more elasticity out of that bottom position you know uh, and also like as much as olympic lifters squat and they squat heavy and whatever else like their actual competition lifts aren't likely going to be limited by that bottom position, you know, like most of them are stronger than that. Then they're complex. For example, their front squat is whatever, 20 kilos stronger than their maximum clean and jerk, you know? So that deep position is effectively only whatever we'll say 90% of their, their one RM. So they, they shouldn't really be fa- failing it due to strength, which is what the, uh, knee sleeve is going to help with like yeah they may fail it due to getting out of position in the catch position you know snatch or clean and jerk uh but that's more of a a technique thing than a strength thing so again if you are an olympic weightlifter use whatever your competition will allow you to use and ignore both of us um <laughs> then yeah I would, go on i would say, i would say it, like it, it would probably hinder you because like one of the things that like you alluded to it but one of the things that that's going to limit your performance in olympic weightlifting is the fact that you actually have to get you have to basically jump down into the bottom of squat and like as quickly as you possibly can so you can get under that bar like it's 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 a pretty unique skill where you need to be able to go from producing maximum force on the pull to getting under that bar and being totally relaxed as soon as you can and then to go so if you're if you have a big knee sleeve that's inhibiting your ability to get into that deep flexion position like if you've looked at any images on like google images of deep weightlifting squats some of them like their arse is literally between their legs they're not just they're like using knee flexion and knee rotation at the same time if you've got a sleeve on that might even hinder that so i imagine that's probably why they don't why they're not as popular in that sport um but yeah like the other things like not really applicable in olympic weightlifting either i don't i don't think it's legal to use i don't think why would you want to use wrist straps <laughs> you need to <coughs> well i suppose yeah you just wouldn't be able to but anyway uh other than that what if you are because this is the, the final one what if you are say for example uh, an athlete right and i mean an athlete in terms of you're using the gym as supplemental training to you know get stronger fitter leaner whatever the fuck uh, for your sport so for example you are a rugby player a gaa athlete a soccer player a, an American football player, whatever, right? How are we feeling for those things? Because there is obviously the argument where people are like, oh, train as you compete, you know? Yeah. So if you're not going to use those things in your sport, don't use them in your training. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so like, I, 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 I probably lean quite away from the sort of the, the, the belief that many people would have when it comes to the kind of sports specific training. Like I think people are generally like they get way too caught up in like being overly specific with like resistance training and strength conditioning as it relates to, to sports. When in fact, like I, I sort of like to, to compartmentalize it a bit and say, 
right? Like, what's our goal when we're in the gym? We're trying to build particular fitness characteristics. So, like, ultimately, if you're trying to build strength in a particular muscle group, like, if your goal is like, all right, I'm going to the gym because I want to build a strong lower body that I can then carry over into performance on the pitch, right? That, like, that's my goal. Then I would be looking to, or like people who are strength athletes and seeing what are they doing? You know, how much can I actually take from them to potentially bring into my training practices so, so that I can build up that fitness characteristic as, as best as I can and then go and try and use that on the pitch. Okay. So I think you could still like, although people make the case that, oh, you know, practice as you practice, as you play, etc. I think because this isn't your, it's not your sport specific practice. It's, it's your fitness characteristic practice. Fundamentally, you're trying to build up your base. I think you still make the case for using something like wrist straps or using something like uh, knee sleeves. If they're, if they, if they go along with any of the reasons we discussed for the other individuals previous in this podcast. So I don't think that like, if you're an athlete that you need to be like, Oh no, no, everything needs to be raw, no belts, no nothing. Um, because ultimately you're still not practicing your sport specific task. It's not like you're going using knee sleeves and a belt while practicing your scrums and rugby, you know? Um, so I still think you can make, you can make very similar cases. And I suppose like that's probably a topic for another podcast is like, where, where where you draw the line with specificity in training because that's not to say that you should just go and train like a powerlifter either like absolutely not but i do think you should if you are that type of person who you're in the off season from your ga training or whatever and you you've identified like i want to build up a bit of strength i want to build up a bit of muscle you can certainly take inspiration for those people from those people while still bringing in elements of specificity and i won't get into specifics now because obviously not the purpose of this podcast but yeah, would you agree with that? Because I think you can still use these tools. Yeah, I, I think it effectively comes back to what we were saying earlier on about injured individuals and effectively just don't become reliant on these tools and you're good to go, you know? Like they can be used for a certain goal. Like if you are an individual who notices, you know, I've got to keep up my fucking miles of running because I'm a field athlete and I need to build up my aerobic base. I'm in the off season or whatever. I need to build up that aerobic base, but I also need to work on some strength characteristics as well because, you know, maybe you lost strength throughout the season and maybe you lost muscle mass or whatever throughout the season. You're like, I need to build those characteristics back up. And I think like, okay, I'm a little bit wary of my knees. They're, you know, doing a lot of volume for them. So whatever I can do to ensure that they feel stable, feel warm, feel whatever, and they feel comfortable, good in, in my squats, my fucking lunges, my whatever. Uh, cool. Like use your knee sleeves. It's, it's no big deal. You know, if you feel just as comfortable without them, don't use them. Like I actually don't think it's a big deal at all. Like you were saying, like sports specificity is like, in my mind, I'm like, yes, there is 100% sports specificity that needs to be taken into account but i also think that people blow it way out of proportion and are like okay this is we need to be very sports specific i'm like okay if you want to be sports specific just play your sport you know like that's that's the best way to be sports specific you know like there's no training your golf swing in the gym i'd rather just you go out and train your golf you know swing by golfing you know, you're going to get better at it much quicker that way. And like, just think effectively of the gym, like GPP, it's just general physical preparedness. And that's, that's the be all and end all of it. And like Gary said, we'll probably talk about this on another podcast, but yeah, it's the same with the, the tools you use then you're like, this is just GPP. So if these tools allow me to get generally physically prepared, better, quicker, faster, whatever, 
use the tools available to you, but just don't become reliant on them. Don't go, yeah, I added 40 kilos to my squat this off season or whatever. And your sport is a, a bare knee sport and you added that 40 kilos with your knees covered with whatever knee sleeve and you actually take your knee sleeves off and try to do the same weight you were using when you started that off season and now it's lower because you're so reliant on those knee sleeves I'm like yeah you've, you've probably fucked up like you know like if you if you aren't able to see a bare knee performance increase which is what your sports is demanding then you you've kind of shit the bed if you just only got a knee sleeved performance increase you know because what you want to see is the the bare knee performance so the knee sleeve or whatever implement should translate back to the actual characteristic that you're trying to improve if it doesn't or you become overly reliant on it like we were saying before with the, the power lifters you know they're like oh my knees i feel shit you know or whatever like if that's the case then i I'd argue that you've you kind of missed the boat with what you're trying to achieve overall. So yes, they have a time and place. Yes, use them if they help you actually achieve your goals. Don't become reliant on them and stop fucking wanking off that fucking dead dog of uh, sports specificity. You know, oh, uh, that poor dog. He's a good boy though. <laughs> anyway, Gary. That was relatively long. I don't actually know how long that was because there was an interruption in between. So I couldn't tell you exactly how long that is. So we'll find out in post-production. Uh, but anyway, Gary, where can people find us? What's going on in life? Give us all that rigmarole. As always, you people can find us by firstly subscribing to our email newsletter. Um, if you haven't subscribed and you do subscribe, you will be delighted to know that you actually receive a free ebook now once you do sign up that's titled The Five Steps to Better Health, Performance, and Body Composition. Very simply, we put this together because some people listen to the podcast, read our content, and they're just like, hey, I just want to know where to get started, what can be, what's going to be useful for me. Of course, we've got the Beginner's Guidebook, um, but this is just a basically free resource that's going to give you a little bit of a flavor of where you should be starting with all this kind of health and fitness stuff. So I think that's a useful resource. So if you sign up, there's no cash. You just get that for free. Very simple. And thereafter, you'll receive one news, newsletter per week, every Sunday, that updates you on, one, all the content we've published on our, our, our various social media across the week but also resources that we've come across on the internet that's generally a podcast a book a research paper and some sort of article that's a step down from a research paper so like if you were to actually read all that stuff every week like you'd be pretty on point in terms of like accumulating some solid knowledge over time um, but yeah there's that of course you can check out our website read our articles blah 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 check out our social media instagram facebook but most importantly youtube i think that's the best place to kind of try and keep up with um with actual new stuff that's coming out because we're putting out blogs um every week going forward um and also join the facebook the triage method community it's pretty, you know it's a pretty active group it's a group of people that are just like you who are consuming health and fitness content and if you want to have productive discussions and see resources that we often share in there that we don't share elsewhere then that's a good place to catch us 100%. I'd also like to add that I am, in fact, back on Instagram um, purely because people people want me there. No, uh, because I actually 
want to just put out a lot of actionable content, effectively just, you know, uh, little snippets, little tips, little tricks, fucking whatever. I want to do that daily. And like, it doesn't fit into what we have going on with everything else. Like I'm not going to record a, a video, put it on YouTube and do the exact same. And also I'm not going to write an entire article on something that's like a whatever, 200 word post or whatever, or requires a 15 second video. So effectively there, that's where you'll find like tips, tricks, daily, um, I don't really answer my DMs or do anything like that. I literally go on, like some fucking cat memes, um, post, you know, whatever tip I was going to post that day. And that's it, you know? Um, but yeah, other than that, I would definitely say get on the newsletter, get in the Facebook group and engage with the content. If you do want to get involved with online coaching, we still have spaces available. If you want to get involved in group coaching, again, we have spaces available. Like this is coming out on Thursday. So Friday is tomorrow, which is Black Friday. So we will have a sale on both group coaching and the eBooks we offer. I do believe it is a 10% discount. Don't quote me on this, but it's a 10% discount on the, the group coaching. And there is a 20% discount on the ebooks on site so if you're thinking about something you're like hmm, that really caught my eye i want to think about that the sale effectively is friday to sunday i think it's friday to monday and um, so if you are interested and you're going actually yeah i want to pick up something the link is in the description wherever it is on this youtube or uh whatever podcasting device you're listening to this uh, there are, is a link to the the store, the, the shop, if you're getting an ebook, and there is a link to group coaching if you're thinking about that. So again, pick up a deal, makes sense. You know, like why would you not avail of that if there is a deal going and you're thinking of getting one of those products. Other than that, I don't have a single other thing to say. Gary, do you? Nope, just note that it is in fact too easy. Simply too easy. <laughs>